Section 10 of The Magic Skin by Honoré Balzac Translated by Ellen Marriage This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 10 Our learned colleague is taking the effect for the cause, Camaristus replied, yet the changes that he has observed so keenly certainly exist in the patient but it is not the stomach that by degrees has set up nervous action in the system and so affected the brain like a hole in a window-pane spreading cracks round about it it took a blow of some kind to make a hole in the window who gave the blow do we know that have we investigated the patient's case sufficiently are we acquainted with all the events of his life the vital principle gentlemen he continued the arceus of van helmont is affected in this case the very essence and centre of life is attacked the divine spark the transitory intelligence which holds the organism together which is the source of the will the inspiration of life has ceased to regulate the daily phenomena of the mechanism and the functions of every organ then arise all the complications which my learned colleague has so thoroughly appreciated the epigastric region does not affect the brain but the brain affects the epigastric region no he went on vigorously slapping his chest no i am not a stomach in the form of a man no everything does not lie there i do not feel that i have the courage to say that if the epigastric region is in good order everything else is in a like condition we cannot trace he went on more mildly to one physical cause the serious disturbances that supervene in this or that subject which has been dangerously attacked nor submit them to a uniform treatment no one man is like another we have each peculiar organs differently affected diversely nourished adapted to perform different functions and to induce a condition necessary to the accomplishment of an order of things which is unknown to us the sublime will has so wrought that a little portion of the great all is set within us to sustain the phenomena of living in every man it formulates itself distinctly making each to all appearance a separate individual yet in one point coexistent with the infinite cause so we ought to make a separate study of each subject discover all about it find out in what its life consists and wherein its power lies from the softness of a wet sponge to the hardness of pumice stone there are infinite fine degrees of difference man is just like that between the sponge-like organization of the lymphatic and the vigorous iron muscles of such men as are destined for a long life what a margin for errors for the single inflexible system of a lowering treatment to commit a system that reduces the capacities of the human frame which you always conclude have been over-excited let us look for the origin of the disease in the mental and not in the physical viscera a doctor is an inspired being endowed by god with a special gift the power to read the secrets of vitality just as the prophet 
has received the eyes that foresee the future the poet his faculty of evoking nature and the musician the power of arranging sounds in an harmonious order that is possibly a copy of an ideal harmony on high there is his everlasting system of medicine arbitrary monarchical and pious muttered brisset gentlemen maugredy broke in hastily to distract attention from brisset's comment don't let us lose sight of the patient what is the good of science raphael moaned here is my recovery halting between a string of beads and a rosary of leeches between dupuytren's bistouri and prince hohenlo's prayer there is maugredy suspending his judgment on the line that divides facts from words mind from matter man it is and it is not is always on my track it is the carimari carimara of rabelais for evermore my disorder is spiritual carimari or material carimara shall i live they have no idea planchette was more straightforward with me at any rate when he said i do not know just then valentin heard maugredy's voice the patient suffers from monomania very good i am quite of that opinion he said but he has two hundred thousand a year monomaniacs of that kind are very uncommon as for knowing whether his epigastric region has affected his brain or his brain his epigastric region we shall find that out perhaps whenever he dies but to resume there is no disputing the fact that he is ill some sort of treatment he must have let us leave the theories alone and put leeches on him to counteract the nervous and intestinal irritation as to the existence of which we all agree and let us send him to drink the waters in that way we shall act on both systems at once if there really is tubercular disease we can hardly expect to save his life so that raphael abruptly left the passage and went back to his armchair the four doctors very soon came out of the study horace was the spokesman these gentlemen he told him have unanimously agreed that leeches must be applied to the stomach at once and that both physical and moral treatment are imperatively needed in the first place a carefully prescribed rule of diet so as to soothe the internal irritation here brisset signified his approval and in the second a hygienic regimen to set your general condition right we all therefore recommend you to go to take the waters in eye in savoy or if you like it better at mont d'or in auvergne the air and the situation are both pleasanter in savoy than in the cantal but you will consult your own taste here it was camaristus who nodded assent these gentlemen bianchon continued having recognized a slight affection of the respiratory organs are agreed as to the utility of the previous course of treatment that i have prescribed they think that there will be no difficulty about restoring you to health and that everything depends upon a wise and alternate employment of these various means and and that is the cause of the milk in the cocoanut said raphael with a smile as he led horace into his study to pay the fees for this useless consultation
their conclusions are logical the young doctor replied Camaristus feels Brisset examines Mogredi doubts has not man a soul a body and an intelligence one of these three elemental constituents always influences us more or less strongly there will always be the personal element in human science believe me raphael we affect no cures we only assist them another system the use of mild remedies while nature exerts her powers lies between the extremes of theory of Brisset and Camaristus, but one ought to have known the patient for some ten years or so to obtain a good result on these lines negation lies at the back of all medicine as in every other science so endeavor to live wholesomely try a trip to savoy the best course is and always will be to trust to nature it was a month later on a fine summer-like evening that several people who were taking the waters at Aix returned from the promenade and met together in the salons of the club raphael remained alone by a window for a long time his back was turned upon the gathering and he himself was deep in those involuntary musings in which thoughts arise in succession and fade away shaping themselves indistinctly passing over us like thin almost colourless clouds melancholy is sweet to us then and delight is shadowy for the soul is half asleep valentin gave himself up to this life of sensations he was steeping himself in the warm soft twilight enjoying the pure air with the scent of the hills in it happy in that he felt no pain and had tranquillized his threatening magic skin at last it grew cooler as the red glow of the sunset faded on the mountain peaks he shut the window and left his place will you be so kind as not to close the window sir said an old lady we are being stifled the peculiarly sharp and jarring tones in which the phrase was uttered grated on raphael's ears it fell on them like an indiscreet remark let slip by some man in whose friendship we would fain believe a word which reveals unsuspected depths of selfishness and destroys some pleasing sentimental illusion of ours the marquis glanced with the cool inscrutable expression of a diplomatist at the old lady called a servant and when he came curtly bade him open that window great surprise was clearly expressed on all faces at the words the whole roomful began to whisper to each other and turned their eyes upon the invalid as though he had given some serious offence raphael who had never quite managed to rid himself of the bashfulness of his early youth felt a momentary confusion then he shook off his torpor exerted his faculties and asked himself the meaning of this strange scene a sudden and rapid impulse quickened his brain the past weeks appeared before him in a clear and definite vision the reasons for the feelings he inspired in others stood out for him in relief like the veins of some corpse which a naturalist by some cunningly contrived injection had coloured so as to show their least ramifications he discerned himself in this fleeting picture 
he followed out his own life in it thought by thought day by day he saw himself not without astonishment an absent gloomy figure in the midst of these lively folk always musing over his own fate always absorbed by his own sufferings seemingly impatient of the most harmless chat he saw how he had shunned the ephemeral intimacies that travellers are so ready to establish no doubt because they feel sure of never meeting each other again and how he had taken little heed of those about him he saw himself like the rocks without unmoved by the caresses or the stormy surgings of the waves then by a gift of insight seldom accorded he read the thoughts of all those about him the light of a candle revealed the sardonic profile and yellow cranium of an old man he remembered how he had won from him and had never proposed that the other should have his revenge a little further on he saw a pretty woman whose lively advances he had met with frigid coolness there was not a face there that did not reproach him with some wrong done inexplicably to all appearance but the real offence in every case lay in some mortification some invisible hurt dealt to self-love he had unintentionally jarred on all the small susceptibilities of the circle round about him his guests on various occasions and those to whom he had sent his horses had taken offence at his luxurious ways their ungraciousness had been a surprise to him he had spared them further humiliations of that kind and they had considered that he looked down upon them and had accused him of haughtiness ever since he could read their inmost thoughts as he fathomed their natures in this way society with its polish and varnish grew loathsome to him he was envied and hated for his wealth and superior ability his reserve baffled the inquisitive his humility seemed like haughtiness to these petty superficial natures he guessed the secret unpardonable crime which he had committed against them he had overstepped the limits of the jurisdiction of their mediocrity he had resisted their inquisitorial tyranny he could dispense with their society and all of them therefore had instinctively combined to make him feel their power and to take revenge upon his incipient royalty by submitting him to a kind of ostracism and so teaching him that they in their turn could do without him pity came over him first of all at this aspect of mankind but very soon he shuddered at the thought of the power that came thus at will and flung aside for him the veil of flesh under which the moral nature is hidden away he closed his eyes so as to see no more a black curtain was drawn all at once over this unlucky phantom show of truth but still he found himself in the terrible loneliness that surrounds every power and dominion just then a violent fit of coughing seized him far from receiving one single word indifferent and meaningless it is true but still containing among well-bred people brought together by chance at least some pretence 
of civil commiseration he now heard hostile ejaculations and muttered complaints society there assembled disdained any pantomime on his account perhaps because he had gauged its real nature too well his complaint is contagious the president of the club ought to forbid him to enter the salon it is contrary to all rules and regulations to cough in that way when a man is as ill as that he ought not to come to take the waters he will drive me away from the place raphael rose and walked about the rooms to screen himself from their unanimous execrations he thought to find a shelter and went up to a young pretty lady who sat doing nothing minded to address some pretty speeches to her but as he came towards her she turned her back upon him and pretended to be watching the dancers raphael feared lest he might have made use of the talisman already that evening and feeling that he had neither the wish nor the courage to break into the conversation he left the salon and took refuge in the billiard-room no one there greeted him nobody spoke to him no one sent so much as a friendly glance in his direction his turn of mind naturally meditative had discovered instinctively the general grounds and reasons for the aversion he inspired this little world was obeying unconsciously perhaps the sovereign law which rules over polite society its inexorable nature was becoming apparent in its entirety to raphael's eyes a glance into the past showed it to him as a type completely realized in Fiodora. he would no more meet with sympathy here for his bodily ills than he had received it at her hands for the distress in his heart the fashionable world expels every suffering creature from its midst just as the body of a man in robust health rejects any germ of disease the world holds suffering and misfortune in abhorrence it dreads them like the plague it never hesitates between vice and trouble for vice is a luxury ill fortune may possess a majesty of its own but society can belittle it and make it ridiculous by an epigram society draws caricatures and in this way flings in the teeth of fallen kings the affronts which it fancies it has received from them society like the roman youth at the circus never shows mercy to the fallen gladiator mockery and money are its vital necessities death to the weak that is the oath taken by this kind of equestrian order instituted in their midst by all the nations of the world everywhere it makes for the elevation of the rich and its motto is deeply graven in hearts that wealth has turned to stone or that have been reared in aristocratic prejudices assemble a collection of schoolboys together they will give you a society in miniature a miniature which represents life more truly because it is so frank and artless and in it you will always find poor isolated beings relegated to some place in the general estimations between pity and contempt on account of their weakness and suffering to these the evangel promises heaven hereafter go lower yet in the scale of organized creation if some bird among its fellows in the courtyard sickens the others fall upon it with their beaks 
pluck out its feathers and kill it the whole world in accordance with its character of egotism brings all its severity to bear upon wretchedness that has the hardihood to spoil its festivities and to trouble its joys any sufferer in mind or body any helpless or poor man is a pariah he had better remain in his solitude if he crosses the boundary line he will find winter everywhere he will find freezing cold in other men's looks manners words and hearts and lucky indeed is he if he does not receive an insult where he expected that sympathy would be expended upon him let the dying man keep to their bed of neglect and age sit lonely by its fireside portionless maids freeze and burn in your solitary attics if the world tolerates misery of any kind it is to turn it to account for its own purposes to make some use of it saddle and bridle it put a bit in its mouth ride it about and get some fun out of it crotchety spinsters ladies companions put a cheerful face upon it endure the humours of your so-called benefactress carry her lap-dogs for her you have an english poodle for your rival and you must seek to understand the moods of your patroness and amuse her and keep silence about yourselves as for you unblushing parasite uncrowned king of unliveried servants leave your real character at home let your digestion keep pace with your host's laugh when he laughs mingle your tears with his and find his epigrams amusing if you want to relieve your mind about him wait till he is ruined that is the way the world shows its respect for the unfortunate it persecutes them or slays them in the dust such thoughts as these welled up in raphael's heart with the suddenness of poetic inspiration he looked around him and felt the influence of the forbidding gloom that society breathes out in order to rid itself of the unfortunate it nipped his soul more effectually than the east wind grips the body in december he locked his arms over his chest set his back against the wall and fell into a deep melancholy he mused upon the meagre happiness that this depressing way of living can give what did it amount to amusement with no pleasure in it gaiety without gladness joyless festivity fevered dreams empty of all delight firewood or ashes in the hearth without a spark of flame in them when he raised his head he found himself alone all the billiard players had gone i have only to let them know my power to make them worship my coughing fits he said to himself and wrapped himself against the world in the cloak of his contempt next day the resident doctor came to call upon him and took an anxious interest in his health raphael felt a thrill of joy at the friendly words addressed to him the doctor's face to his thinking wore an expression that was kind and pleasant the pale curls of his wig seem redolent of philanthropy the square cut of his coat the loose 
folds of his trousers his big quaker-like shoes everything about him down to the powder shaken from his queue and dusted in a circle upon his slightly stooping shoulders revealed an apostolic nature and spoke of christian charity and of the self-sacrifice of a man who out of sheer devotion to his patience had compelled himself to learn to play whist and trick-track so well that he never lost money to any of them my lord marquis said he after a long talk with raphael i can dispel your uneasiness beyond all doubt i know your constitution well enough by this time to assure you that the doctors in paris whose great abilities i know are mistaken as to the nature of your complaint you can live as long as methuselah my lord marquis accidents only excepted your lungs are as sound as a blacksmith's bellows your stomach would put an ostrich to the blush but if you persist in living at high altitude you are running the risk of a prompt interment in consecrated soil a few words my lord marquis will make my meaning clear to you chemistry he began has shown us that man's breathing is a real process of combustion and the intensity of its action varies according to the abundance or scarcity of the phlogistic element stored up by the organism of each individual in your case the phlogistic or inflammatory element is abundant if you will permit me to put it so you generate superfluous oxygen possessing as you do the inflammatory temperament of a man destined to experience strong emotions while you breathe the keen pure air that stimulates life in men of lymphatic constitution you are accelerating an expenditure of vitality already too rapid one of the conditions for existence for you is the heavier atmosphere of the plains and valleys yes the vital air for a man consumed by his genius lies in the fertile pasture lands of germany at toplitz or baden-baden if england is not obnoxious to you its misty climate would reduce your fever but the situation of our baths a thousand feet above the level of the mediterranean is dangerous for you that is my opinion at least he said with a deprecatory gesture and i give it in opposition to our interests for if you act upon it we shall unfortunately lose you but for these closing words of his the affable doctor's seeming good nature would have completely won raphael over but he was too profoundly observant not to understand the meaning of the tone the look and gesture that accompanied that mild sarcasm not to see that the little man had been sent on this errand no doubt by a flock of his rejoicing patients the florid-looking idlers tedious old women nomad english people and fine ladies who had given their husbands the slip and were escorted hither by their lovers one and all were in a plot to drive away a wretched feeble creature to die who seemed unable to hold out against a daily renewed persecution raphael accepted the challenge he foresaw some amusement to be derived from their manoeuvres 
as you would be grieved at losing time said he to the doctor i will endeavor to avail myself of your good advice without leaving the place i will set about having a house built to-morrow and the atmosphere within it shall be regulated by your instructions the doctor understood the sarcastic smile that lurked about raphael's mouth and took his leave without finding another word to say the lake of bourget lies seven hundred feet above the mediterranean in a great hollow among the jagged peaks of the hills it sparkles here the bluest drop of water in the world from the summit of the cat's tooth the lake below looks like a stray tortoise this lovely sheet of water is about twenty-seven miles round and in some places is nearly five hundred feet deep under the cloudless sky in your boat in the midst of the great expanse of water with only the sound of the oars in your ears only the vague outline of the hills on the horizon before you you admire the glittering snows of the french maurienne you pass now by masses of granite clad in the velvet of green turf or in low growing shrubs now by pleasant sloping meadows there is always a wilderness on the one hand and fertile lands on the other and both harmonies and dissonances compose a scene for you where everything is at once small and vast and you feel yourself to be a poor onlooker at a great banquet the configuration of the mountains brings about misleading optical conditions and illusions of perspective a pine tree a hundred feet in height looks to be a mere weed wide valleys look as narrow as meadow paths the lake is the only one where the confidences of heart and heart can be exchanged there one can live there one can meditate nowhere on earth will you find a closer understanding between the water the sky the mountains and the fields there is a balm there for all the agitations of life the place keeps the secrets of sorrow to itself the sorrow that grows less beneath its soothing influence and to love it gives a grave and meditative cast deepening passion and purifying it a kiss there becomes something great but beyond all other things it is the lake for memories it aids them by lending to them the hues of its own waves it is a mirror in which everything is reflected only here with this lovely landscape all around him could raphael endure the burden laid upon him here he could remain as a languid dreamer without a wish of his own he went out upon the lake after the doctor's visit and was landed at a lonely point on the pleasant slope where the village of saint enusin is situated the view from this promontory as one may call it comprises the heights of bouguet with the rhone flowing at its foot and the end of the lake but raphael liked to look at the opposite shore from thence at the melancholy-looking abbey of hautecombe the burying-place of the sardinian kings who lie prostrate there before the hills like pilgrims come at last to their journey's end the silence of the landscape was broken by the even rhythm of the strokes of the oar it seemed to find a voice for the place in monotonous cadences like the chanting of monks 
the marquis was surprised to find visitors to this usually lonely part of the lake and as he mused he watched the people seated in the boat and recognized in the stern the elderly lady who had spoken so harshly to him the evening before no one took any notice of raphael as the boat passed except the elderly lady's companion a poor old maid of noble family who bowed to him and whom it seemed to him that he saw for the first time a few seconds later he had already forgotten the visitors who had rapidly disappeared behind the promontory when he heard the fluttering of a dress and the sound of light footsteps not far from him he turned about and saw the companion and guessing from her embarrassed manner that she wished to speak with him he walked towards her she was somewhere about thirty-six years of age thin and tall reserved and prim and like all old maids seemed puzzled to know which way to look an expression no longer in keeping with her measured springless and hesitating steps she was both young and old at the same time and by a certain dignity in her carriage showed the high value which she set upon her charms and perfections in addition her movements were all demure and discreet like those of women who are accustomed to take great care of themselves no doubt because they desire not to be cheated of love their destined end your life is in danger sir do not come to the club again she said stepping back a pace or two from raphael as if her reputation had already been compromised but mademoiselle said raphael smiling please explain yourself more clearly since you have condescended so far ah she answered unless i had had a very strong motive i should never have run the risk of offending the comtesse for if she ever came to know that i had warned you and who would tell her mademoiselle cried raphael true the old maid answered she looked at him quaking like an owl out in the sunlight but think of yourself she went on several young men who want to drive you away from the baths have agreed to pick a quarrel with you and to force you into a duel the elderly lady's voice sounded in the distance mademoiselle began the marquis my gratitude but his protectress had fled already she had heard the voice of her mistress squeaking afresh among the rocks poor girl unhappiness always understands and helps the unhappy raphael thought and sat himself down at the foot of a tree the key of every science is before cavil the mark of interrogation we owe most of our greatest discoveries to a why and all the wisdom in the world perhaps consists in asking wherefore in every connection but on the other hand this acquired prescience is the ruin of our illusions so valentin having taken the old maid's kindly action for the text of his wandering thoughts without the deliberate promptings of philosophy must find it full of gall and wormwood it is not at all extraordinary that a gentlewoman's gentlewoman should take a fancy to me said he to himself i am twenty-seven years old and i have a title and an income of two hundred thousand a year but that her mistress who hates water like a rabid cat 
for it would be hard to give the palm to either in that matter that her mistress should have brought her here in a boat is not that very strange and wonderful these two women who came into savoy to sleep like marmots they ask if day has dawned at noon and to think that they could get up this morning before eight o'clock to take their chances in running after me very soon the old maid and her elderly innocence became in his eyes a fresh manifestation of that artificial malicious little world it was a paltry device a clumsy artifice a piece of priest's or woman's craft was the duel a myth or did they merely want to frighten him but these petty creatures impudent and teasing as flies had succeeded in wounding his vanity in rousing his pride and exciting his curiosity unwilling to become their dupe or to be taken for a coward and even diverted perhaps by the little drama he went to the club that very evening he stood leaning against the marble chimney-piece and stayed there quietly in the middle of the principal saloon doing his best to give no one any advantage over him but he scrutinized the faces about him and gave a certain vague offence to those assembled by his inspection like a dog aware of his strength he awaited the contest on his own ground without necessary barking towards the end of the evening he strolled into the card-room walking between the door and another that opened into the billiard-room throwing a glance from time to time over a group of young men that had gathered there he heard his name mentioned after a turn or two although they lowered their voices raphael easily guessed that he had become the topic of their debate and he ended by catching a phrase or two spoken aloud you yes i i dare you to do it let us make a bet on it oh he will do it just as valentin curious to learn the matter of the wager came up to pay closer attention to what they were saying a tall strong good-looking young fellow who however possessed the impertinent stare peculiar to people who have material force at their back came out of the billiard-room i am deputed sir he said coolly addressing the marquis to make you aware of something which you do not seem to know your face and person generally are a source of annoyance to every one here and to me in particular you have too much politeness not to sacrifice yourself to the public good and i beg that you will not show yourself in the club again this sort of joke has been perpetrated before sir in garrison towns at the time of the empire but nowadays it is exceedingly bad form said raphael dryly i am not joking the young man answered and i repeat it your health will be considerably the worse for a stay here the heat and light the air of the saloon and the company are all bad for your complaint where did you study medicine raphael inquired i took my bachelor's degree at lepage's shooting-ground in paris and was made a doctor at cerezier's the king of foils there is one last degree left for you to take said valentin study the ordinary rules of politeness and you will be a perfect gentleman the young men all came out of the billiard-room just then some disposed to laugh some silent the attention of other players was drawn to the matter 
they left their cards to watch a quarrel that rejoiced their instincts raphael alone among this hostile crowd did his best to keep cool and not to put himself in any way in the wrong but his adversary having ventured a sarcasm containing an insult couched in unusually keen language he replied gravely we cannot box men's ears sir in these days but i am at a loss for any word by which to stigmatize such cowardly behavior as yours that's enough that's enough you can come to an explanation to-morrow several young men exclaimed interposing between the two champions raphael left the room in the character of aggressor after he had accepted a proposal to meet near the chateau de bordeaux in a little sloping meadow not very far from the newly made road by which the men who came off victorious could reach lyon raphael must now either take to his bed or leave the baths the visitors had gained their point at eight o'clock next morning his antagonist followed by two seconds and a surgeon arrived first on the ground we shall do very nicely here glorious weather for a duel he cried gaily looking at the blue vault of sky above at the waters of the lake and the rocks without a single melancholy presentiment or doubt of the issue if i wing him he went on i shall send him to bed for a month eh doctor at the very least the surgeon replied but let that willow twig alone or you will weary your wrist and then you will not fire steadily you might kill your man instead of wounding him the noise of a carriage was heard approaching here he is said the seconds who soon descried a caleche coming along the road it was drawn by four horses and there were two postillions what a queer proceeding said valentin's antagonist here he comes post haste to be shot the slightest incident about a duel as about a stake at cards makes an impression on the minds of those deeply concerned in the results of the affair so the young man awaited the arrival of the carriage with a kind of uneasiness it stopped in the road old jonathan laboriously descended from it in the first place to assist raphael to alight he supported him with his feeble arms and showed him all the minute attentions that a lover lavishes upon his mistress both became lost to sight in the footpath that lay between the high road and the field where the duel was to take place they were walking slowly and did not appear again for some time after the four onlookers at this strange spectacle felt deeply moved by the sight of valentin as he leaned on his servant's arm he was wasted and pale he limped as if he had the gout went with his head bowed down and said not a word you might have taken them for a couple of old men one broken with years the other worn out with thought the elder bore his age visibly written in his white hair the younger was of no age i have not slept all night sir so raphael greeted his antagonist the icy tone and terrible glance that went with the words made the real aggressor shudder he knew that he was in the wrong and felt in secret ashamed of his behaviour there was something strange in raphael's bearing tone and gesture the marquis stopped and every one else was likewise silent 
the uneasy and constrained feeling grew to a height there is yet time he went on to offer me some slight apology and offer it you must or you will die sir you rely even now on your dexterity and do not shrink from an encounter in which you believe all the advantage to be upon your side very good sir i am generous i am letting you know my superiority beforehand i possess a terrible power i have only to wish to do so and i can neutralize your skill dim your eyesight make your hand and pulse unsteady and even kill you outright i have no wish to be compelled to exercise my power the use of it costs me too dear you would not be the only one to die so if you refuse to apologize to me no matter what your experience in murder your ball will go into the waterfall there and mine will speed straight to your heart though i do not aim it at you confused voices interrupted raphael at this point at the time that he was speaking the marquis had kept his intolerably keen gaze fixed upon his antagonist now he drew himself up and showed an impassive face like that of a dangerous madman make him hold his tongue the young man had said to one of his seconds that voice of his is tearing the heart out of me say no more sir it is quite useless cried the seconds and the surgeon addressing raphael gentlemen i am fulfilling a duty has this young gentleman any final arrangements to make that is enough that will do the marquis remained standing steadily never for a moment losing sight of his antagonist and the latter seemed like a bird before a snake to be overwhelmed by a well-nigh magical power he was compelled to endure that homicidal gaze he met and shunned it incessantly i am thirsty give me some water he said again to the second are you nervous yes he answered there is a fascination about that man's glowing eyes will you apologize it is too late now the two antagonists were placed at fifteen paces distance from each other each of them had a brace of pistols at hand and according to the programme prescribed for them each was to fire twice when and how he pleased but after the signal had been given by the seconds what are you doing charles exclaimed the young man who acted as second to raphael's antagonist you are putting in the ball before the powder i am a dead man he muttered by way of answer you have put me facing the sun the sun lies behind you said valentin sternly and solemnly while he coolly loaded his pistol without heeding the fact that the signal had been given or that his antagonist was carefully taking aim there was something so appalling in this supernatural unconcern that it affected even the two postillons brought thither by a cruel curiosity raphael was either trying his power or playing with it for he talked to jonathan and looked towards him as he received his adversary's fire charles bullet broke a branch of willow and ricocheted over the surface of the water raphael fired at random and shot his antagonist through the heart he did not heed the young man as he dropped he hurriedly sought the magic skin to see what another man's life had cost him the talisman was no larger than a small oak leaf what are you gaping at you postillions over there 
let us be off said the marquis that same evening he crossed the french border immediately set out for auvergne and reached the springs of the mont d'or as he travelled there surged up in his heart all at once one of those thoughts that come to us as a ray of sunlight pierces through the thick mists in some dark valley a sad enlightenment a pitiless sagacity that lights up the accomplished fact for us that lays our errors bare and leaves us without excuse in our own eyes it suddenly struck him that the possession of power no matter how enormous did not bring with it the knowledge how to use it the sceptre is a plaything for a child an axe for a richelieu and for a napoleon a lever by which to move the world power leaves us just as it finds us only great natures grow greater by its means raphael had had everything in his power and he had done nothing at the springs of mont d'or he came again in contact with a little world of people who invariably shunned him with the eager haste that animals display when they scent afar off one of their own species lying dead and flee away the dislike was mutual his late adventure had given him a deep distaste for society his first care consequently was to find a lodging at some distance from the neighbourhood of the springs instinctively he felt within him the need of close contact with nature of natural emotions and of the vegetative life into which we sink so gladly among the fields the day after he arrived he climbed the peak de Sancy, not without difficulty and visited the higher valleys the skyey nooks undiscovered lakes and peasants huts about mont d'or a country whose stern and wild features are now beginning to tempt the brushes of our artists for sometimes wonderfully fresh and charming views are to be found there affording a strong contrast to the frowning brows of those lonely hills barely a league from the village raphael discovered a nook where nature seemed to have taken a pleasure in hiding away all her treasures like some glad and mischievous child at the first sight of this unspoiled and picturesque retreat he determined to take up his abode in it there life must needs be peaceful natural and fruitful like the life of a plant imagine for yourself an inverted cone of granite hollowed out on a large scale a sort of basin with its sides divided up by queer winding paths on one side lay level stretches with no growth upon them a bluish uniform surface over which the rays of the sun fell as upon a mirror on the other lay cliffs split open by fissures and frowning ravines great blocks of lava hung suspended from them while the action of rain slowly prepared their impending fall a few stunted trees tormented by the wind often crowned their summits and here and there in some sheltered angle of their ramparts a clump of chestnut trees grew tall as cedars or some cavern in the yellowish rocks showed the dark entrance into its depths set about by flowers and brambles decked by a little strip of green turf at the bottom of this cup 
which perhaps had been the crater of an old-world volcano lay a pool of water as pure and bright as a diamond granite boulders lay around the deep basin and willows mountain ash trees yellow flag lilies and numberless aromatic plants bloomed about it in a realm of meadow as fresh as an english bowling green the fine soft grass was watered by the streams that trickled through the fissures in the cliffs the soil was continually enriched by the deposits of loam which storms washed down from the heights above the pool might be some three acres in extent its shape was irregular and the edges were scalloped like the hem of a dress the meadow might be an acre or two acres in extent the cliffs and the water approached and receded from each other here and there there was scarcely width enough for the cows to pass between them after a certain height the plant life ceased aloft in air the granite took upon itself the most fantastic shapes and assumed those misty tints that give to high mountains a dim resemblance to clouds in the sky the bare bleak cliffs with the fearful rents in their sides pictures of wild and barren desolation contrasted strongly with the pretty view of the valley and so strange were the shapes they assumed that one of the cliffs had been called the capuchin because it was so like a monk sometimes these sharp pointed peaks these mighty masses of rock and airy caverns were lighted up one by one according to the direction of the sun or the caprices of the atmosphere they caught gleams of gold dyed themselves in purple took a tint of glowing rose color or turned dull and gray upon the heights a drama of color was always to be seen a play of ever-shifting iridescent hues like those on a pigeon's breast oftentimes at sunrise or at sunset a ray of bright sunlight would penetrate between two sheer surfaces of lava that might have been split apart by a hatchet to the very depths of that pleasant little garden where it would play in the waters of the pool like a beam of golden light which gleams through the chinks of a shutter into a room in spain that has been carefully darkened for a siesta when the sun rose above the old crater that some antediluvian revolution had filled with water its rocky sides took warmer tones the extinct volcano glowed again and its sudden heat quickened the spouting seeds and vegetation gave color to the flowers and ripened the fruits of this forgotten corner of the earth as raphael reached it he noticed several cows grazing in the pasture land and when he had taken a few steps towards the water he saw a little house built of granite and roofed with shingle in the spot where the meadow land was at its widest the roof of this little cottage harmonized with everything about it for it had long been overgrown with ivy moss and flowers of no recent date a thin smoke that did not scare the birds away went up from the dilapidated chimney there was a great bench at the door between two huge honeysuckle bushes that were pink with blossom and full of scent the walls could scarcely be seen for branches of vine and sprays of rose and jasmine that interlaced and grew entirely as chance and their own will bade them 
for the inmates of the cottage seemed to pay no attention to the growth which adorned their house and to take no care of it leaving it to the fresh capricious charm of nature some clothes spread out on the gooseberry bushes were drying in the sun a cat was sitting on a machine for stripping hemp beneath it lay a newly scoured brass cauldron among a quantity of potato parings on the other side of the house raphael saw a sort of barricade of dead thorn bushes meant no doubt to keep the poultry from scratching up the vegetables and pot herbs it seemed like the end of the earth the dwelling was like some bird's nest ingeniously set in a cranny of the rocks a clever and at the same time a careless bit of workmanship a simple and kindly nature lay round about it its rusticity was genuine but there was a charm like that of poetry in it for it grew and throve in a thousand miles distance from our elaborate and conventional poetry it was like none of our conceptions it was a spontaneous growth a masterpiece due to chance as raphael reached the place the sunlight fell across it from right to left bringing out all the colors of its plants and trees the yellowish or gray bases of the crags the different shades of the green leaves the masses of flowers pink blue or white the climbing plants with their bell-like blossoms and the shot velvet of the mosses the purple-tinted blooms of the heather everything was either brought into relief or made fairer yet by the enchantment of the light or by the contrasting shadows and this was the case most of all with the sheet of water wherein the house the trees the granite peaks and the sky were all faithfully reflected everything had a radiance of its own in this delightful picture from the sparkling mica stone to the bleached tuft of grass hidden away in the soft shadows the spotted cow with its glossy hide the delicate water plants that hung down over the pool like fringes in a nook where blue or emerald colored insects were buzzing about the roots of trees like a sand bespeckled shock of hair above grotesque faces in the flinty rock surface all these things made a harmony for the eye the odor of the tepid water the scent of the flowers and the breath of the caverns which filled the lonely place gave raphael a sensation that was almost enjoyment silence reigned in majesty over these woods which possibly are unknown to the tax-collector but the barking of a couple of dogs broke the stillness all at once the cows turned their heads towards the entrance of the valley showing their moist noses to raphael stared stupidly at him and then fell to browsing again a goat and her kid that seemed to hang on the side of the crags in some magical fashion capered and leapt to a slab of granite near to raphael and stayed there a moment as if to seek to know who he was the yapping of the dog brought out a plump child who stood agape and next came a white-haired old man of middle height both of these two beings were in keeping with the surroundings the air the flowers and the dwelling health appeared to overflow in this fertile region old age and childhood thrived there there seemed to be about 
all these types of existence the freedom and carelessness of the life of primitive times a happiness of use and want that gave the lie to our philosophical platitudes and wrought a cure of all its swelling passions in the heart the old man belonged to the type of model dear to the masculine brush of snets the countless wrinkles upon his brown face looked as if they would be hard to the touch the straight nose the prominent cheekbones streaked with red veins like a vine leaf in autumn the angular features all were characteristics of strength even where strength existed no longer the hard hands now that they toiled no longer had preserved their scanty white hair his bearing was that of an absolutely free man it suggested the thought that had he been an italian he would have perhaps turned brigand for the love of the liberty so dear to him the child was a regular mountaineer with the black eyes that can face the sun without flinching a deeply tanned complexion and rough brown hair his movements were like a bird's swift decided and unconstrained his clothing was ragged the white fair skin showed through the rents in his garments there they both stood in silence side by side both obeying the same impulse in both faces were clear tokens of an absolutely identical and idle life the old man had adopted the child's amusements and the child had fallen in with the old man's humour there was a sort of tacit agreement between two kinds of feebleness between failing powers well-nigh spent and powers just about to unfold themselves very soon a woman who seemed to be about thirty years old appeared on the threshold of the door spinning as she came she was an overnate a high-coloured comfortable-looking straightforward sort of person with white teeth her cap and dress the face full figure and general appearance were of the auvergne peasant stamp so was her dialect she was a thorough embodiment of her district its hard-working ways its thrift ignorance and heartiness all met in her she greeted raphael and they began to talk the dogs quieted down the old man went and sat on a bench in the sun the child followed his mother about wherever she went listening without saying a word and staring at the stranger you are not afraid to live here good woman what should we be afraid of sir when we bolt the door whoever could get inside oh no we aren't afraid at all and besides she said as she brought the marquis into the principal room in the house what should thieves come to take from us here she designated the room as she spoke the smoke-blackened walls with some brilliant pictures in blue red and green an end of credit a crucifixion and the grenadiers of the imperial guard for their sole ornament the furniture here and there the old wooden four-posted bedstead the table with crooked legs a few stools the chest that held the bread the flitch that hung from the ceiling a jar of salt a stove and on the mantel-shelf a few discoloured yellow plaster figures as he went out again raphael noticed 
a man halfway up the crags leaning on a hoe and watching the house with interest that's my man sir said the auvergnate unconsciously smiling in peasant fashion he is at work up there and the old man is your father asking your pardon sir he is my man's grandfather such as you see him he is a hundred and two and yet quite lately he walked over to clermont with our little chap oh he has been a strong man in his time but he does nothing now but sleep and eat and drink he amuses himself with the little fellow sometimes the child trails him up the hillsides and he will just go up there along with him valentin made up his mind immediately he would live between this child and old man breathe the same air eat their bread drink the same water sleep with them make the blood in his veins like theirs it was a dying man's fancy for him the prime model after which the customary existence of the individual should be shaped the real formula for the life of a human being the only true and possible life the life ideal was to become one of the oysters adhering to this rock to save his shell a day or two longer by paralyzing the power of death one profoundly selfish thought took possession of him and the whole universe was swallowed up and lost in it for him the universe existed no longer the whole world had come to be within himself for the sick the world begins at their pillow and ends at the foot of the bed and this countryside was raphael's sick-bed end of section ten